Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Welcome back, Fizz Nation, to another edition of Fizz 5 here. Along with Liam Griffin, I'm John Eads. So glad to be with you. As always, be sure to find us on our social media accounts at Orange Fizz on Twitter. I guess that's our only social media account, but we're also on the blogosphere, the internet, orangefizz.net. You can find all of our content right there. First time that Liam, Liam, excuse me, Liam, I can't even say your name. Liam and I are hopping on the mics together for this edition of Fizz 5. We got a whole lot to talk about today. Really football heavy. A lot of football stuff going around lately. We're going to start things out with win totals. Dino Babers was named a top 10 coach in the ACC, which is kind of a cop out. We'll get into that later on. We got to talk a little bit of basketball. So we'll get into that as well. And we'll finish things out with a transfer from the Syracuse football program and a whole lot more all coming up on Fizz 5 right now. But Liam, so glad to be with you, man. And exciting times. We're into June, uh, kind of just getting going with summer practice, looking ahead to the fall. And that's why there's a whole lot of football news going around. Yeah, the transfer portal also started to take shape as well, as is the recruiting portion of the class of 23. I wrote an article about that the other day. Definitely not promoting that or anything like that. But (laughs) it's an exciting time. I know this is sort of a down period for SU Athletics, considering while there are no games. But it's a good time. Certainly is a good time. You know, I always love talking football. I'm sure you do, too. So, you know, it's kind of an all-around year kind of thing. Once we hit June, though, I really start to hype it up. I really start to look to get into it. How excited am I? I was watching the Syracuse-Ohio game back two days ago to get a sense for who uh, who might be a breakout player for the Syracuse defense this year. And why was Tommy DeVito so bad at football? You were watching – of all the games to choose to watch back, you picked the Ohio game? I'm going in chronological order. So I got Rutgers okay. next. Okay, okay. if you're going in chronological order, then yeah. I can't. Because that one was a barn burner. I mean, if you like field goals, that was the one for you. But <laughs> nah, whatever. All right, well, let's look ahead to the 2022 schedule. One thing I do know for a fact is Ohio is not on the slate for Syracuse. But 24-7 Sports recently released win total projections for every ACC team. Now, this isn't ACC win totals. This is win totals for the entire season. And they peg Syracuse at five. So on the one hand, that's a big upgrade from what I'm sure they had last year because I think some people had Syracuse winning a half an ACC game over under there. Um, so for them to have projected five wins is certainly you know an upgrade, but I'm going to tell you right now, if Dino Babers and company only rack up five wins this year, I know it's a tough schedule. If they only rack up five wins, though, I don't think he's coming back next year. Number one. Yeah, you mentioned the tough schedule, which is why I think the five-win total, John, is – Kind of preposterous, let's be real. I mean, when you look at the schedule, you have two gimme wins in Wagner at the Dome and then UConn week two out in stores. And let's be real, if you can't beat UConn, Dino Babers has to go right then and there. Don't wait until the end of the season. Yeah. And as for the rest of the schedule, let's be real. You're not beating Notre Dame. You're not beating Clemson. You're probably not beating NC State either. I doubt you're going to beat Pitt. That's four losses right then and there. Yeah. So you have to go three and three the rest of the way against Wake Forest, Boston College, Virginia, and arguably the best quarterback in the country, excuse me, conference, and Brennan Armstrong. This is not an easy schedule. Not at all. Projecting five wins kind of feels like recency bias because they picked up five wins last year against 
let's let's recap who they beat. Ohio, <laughs> U Albany, FCS school, Liberty. Yeah, okay, that was a good win. At Bod Tech, that was their coach one. got fired, so that shows goes to show. Thought and Boston about. College without Phil Dracovic. Yeah. Their wins last year weren't that impressive. So to pin the five win label on them, I just don't know. Yeah, it's a little optimistic. I think they're putting a little bit too much stock in Syracuse because you look up and down the slate, like you said, I'm not really sure where they're getting the five wins. You've got UConn, you got Wagner. But other than that, this team could go nine and three. They could go three and nine. Like there's just so many 50-50 toss-up games. If you get hot, you might string some wins together. But, you know, if one thing doesn't go your way, it's lost if you're lost, if you're lost, and they pile up. And the other thing is that Dino Babers, once the calendar strikes past mid-October, has been awful. He can't win a single game in November. So, you know, if they're going to get to five wins this year, I think it's going to have to come early in the season. They play Louisville, then they go to UConn, then they've got Purdue, Virginia, and Wagner. Like you could go four and one in that stretch, but I could also see a scenario where you're sitting there and you're two and three. So, like I said, you've really got to front load the wins this year because once you get to the back half of the schedule, history tells us it doesn't work out too well for Syracuse. And, oh, by the way, the back half of the schedule features some of the best teams in the ACC. So what Liam and I are basically saying is that we don't see the five wins. Yeah, especially when you factor in, John, that three of the four games in November are on the road against Pitt, Wake Forest, and BC. The first two in the Panthers and Demon Deacons were both top 25 schools last year. Heck, the Demon Deacons won the ACC. Pittsburgh had the top quarterback selected in this past NFL draft. And I know they're not going to have him. They're also not going to have Jordan Addison, who they lost to the transfer portal. But putting them aside is, frankly, childish. And then Boston College did not have Dracovic last year, who some are saying might go number one in next year's draft, which I think is a little bit too much, but that's a discussion for another time. Point is, the Eagles team you see this year will not be the Eagles team you saw last year. So, And then you have one home game in November against Florida State. Write this down right now and come back to it a few months from now. Syracuse will not win a single game in November. I don't think that's a hot take at all. You start things out on the road in, at Pittsburgh, really tough place to play, especially in November. It's probably going to be five degrees and snowy. And Syracuse, as much as they're used to the winter, not exactly used to playing in the winter because obviously yeah. the Dome is indoors, right? Um, then you got Florida State at home. I feel like that's a game Syracuse could win. It's usually an underachieving Seminole squad. I mean, we'll see if Mike Norvell can kind of turn things around and kind of flip the switch this year. I would argue Syracuse should have won this game last year down in Tallahassee. It was just kind of a – They absolutely uh, should have. They absolutely a, should have. That's another thing. That's another thing too, John, is that in the close games last season, more often than not, the other team didn't win it. Syracuse lost, lost it. it. With the exception of Vatek and Liberty – you look at Florida State, uh, bad penalties. Wake Forest, your defense crumbles. Clemson, the horrible coaching decision. Yeah. And then late in the season, they get their butts handed to them against Louisville, Pitt, and NC State. Oh, that was just a butt whooping. That was nothing that Syracuse did to itself other than not show up to play. I yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think your thing about Dino is interesting if they only go – five and seven you think he's a can of corn out the door there are three division one coaches that have had losing seasons three straight years and still hold their current position Gino Babers is one of them yeah yeah I, I don't know it's kind of interesting he, they did just revamp the coaching staff five wins for him is good if they could do that consistently <laughs> but 
I mean, five wins for Robert and I. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. It's got to be at a different level. It was nice to see them jump from one to five last year, but now you got to make the jump from five to say seven. We're not asking for a whole lot here. Five to seven, I think is doable. Personally, right now, a lot of people know me as an optimist. I really like to look at the positive side of situations, perhaps uh, to a fault. But me as an optimist, I don't see the five wins in the schedule, at least right now. And I've been reading up on a lot of these teams the past couple of weeks. So I don't know. Like I said, it could be a crazy year. If you were to put me on the spot right now and say, what is Syracuse's record in 2022? At this point in time, I'm marking it down as three and nine. You're going to beat Wagner and UConn. And then you'll have another one sparse in there somewhere. I don't know who it's going to be against. But I don't think they go 0-10 other than those. Other than that, but I only see them going 1-9. and Yeah. I'm on the same wavelength as you. I'd bump you up to 4-8, and 5-7 and seven maybe. Um, but that's really, you know, taking an optimist view on that. So, yeah, 247. Yeah, I mean, that's just what I do. I'm an optimist, like I said. So, 247 Sports thinks Syracuse wins five games in 2022. Liam and I don't necessarily agree. Let us know if you agree or disagree at Orange Fizz on Twitter, orangefizz.net online. You can drop some comments in there as well. Let's stay with football and move to topic number two. Number two. All right, so 247 Sports also dropped some rankings. They've been doing this a lot lately, dropping best running back rankings where Sean Tucker has been in, uh, a little bit too low, but that's another topic for another time. Also, coaching rankings within the ACC. And, hey, sound the alarms because Syracuse (laughs) owns a top 10 coach in the ACC. Now, granted, that's out of 14 teams. And on top of that, the three, the four coaches behind him, three of them are in their first season as a head coach or first season at a new school. And then there's Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, who is underachieving with a capital U. Yeah, John. So when you when we were discussing the rundown over text, you put an LOL next to this topic. And I think it's because this is kind of a crapshoot, right? I mean, there are 14 coaches in the ACC. And the four that Dino is ahead of, Virginia, new coach, Tony Elliott. Bob Tech, new coach, Brent Pry. Duke, new coach, Mike Elfo. And Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins. Remember that comment about Dino and three straight losing seasons with the same job? Jeff Collins is another one of those three. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know where else you would expect Dino to be ranked. I mean, because he's definitely not up there with the Dabo Swinney's and Mario Cristobal's of the world. He's not even in the tier below them. So, (laughs) I hate to say it, but I think they got it on the nose at number 10. Yeah, I mean, you look at the rest of the top 10, um, and he just kind of looks out of place. I mean, I guess you can make the case for Mike Norvell, perhaps uh, being another one of those outliers as well. Like, there's a huge drop-off between 8 and 9 and 10. So Scott Satterfield at Louisville is number 8, and he's done some incredible things with the Cardinals already. Um, and he's really gotten that program up to a really nice spot, not where they necessarily want to be, not where it was with Lamar Jackson, but he's got him in a nice, consistent, stable spot. And the recruiting is really good for next year. So I think they're really starting to turn a corner. Jeff Halfley from Boston College above him. Uh, he's kind of unproven still, but he's put together some really good Eagles teams and stabilized that program as well. Then you got Pat Narduzzi, speaks for itself. Dave Doran at NC State, another one. Mac Brown, I mean, the guy uh, was in national championships at Texas. He rebuilt UNC in one year. Cristobal above him. I think he's a little bit too high, but that's, you know, another topic for another time. I think it's, it's probably because Swinney. he's a statement disciple. Yeah, exactly. Um, then you got Clawson and Swinney, one, two. Pretty sick to see Dave Clawson at two. I mean, 
<laughs> it was it was kind of fun last year watching random teams. No offense to Wake Forest, but random teams run the table and have just insane years like the Demon Deacons. Who, and, who thought they were going to win the conference before nobody, the season? Nobody. I was at ACC Media Day, and you know what? I was one of the people that just put them in the cellar because that's where they'd been every single year. But you know what? They had a spectacular season, and they returned 20 of 21 starters from that 11-3 and three team last year. So watch that's, out. That's for quite the stat. And, yeah. you know, that's another reason why I don't see this Syracuse team going anywhere near five wins. The coaches in this ACC are just – far superior to Dino Babers of the four Dino is ranked ahead of guess how many he plays. Um, I don't, yeah, just the Virginia, right? Just Virginia. Yeah. Just Virginia. He'll be going up against smarter football minds and guys like Swinney, Clawson, Dave Doran, Jeff Hathley. And to be honest, he looked overmatched last season. Where's your confidence that he's going to sort of turn the switch at right now? Because I mean, let's be real. I mean, I, I, we talked after that Clemson game. I know how angry you were. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was ridiculous. It's kind of funny, too, Liam, is that, you know, if Mike Elko has a nice first season or if Tony Elliott has a good first season or Brent Pry or maybe if Jeff Collins flips the switch, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. <laughs> no, I don't know they could jump him at 10 in one year, I think, if they really show that they can – you know, start to get the recruits in early and they have a good first season where they exceed expectations. Babers could find himself. Then again, then again, then again, there may not be a ranking for Dino at all next season. Exactly. How Syracuse does. It's a good point. (laughs) Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. uh... Uh, Here's one more, one last thing about Dino Babers. Like I will say he's absolutely a guy you would want to sit down, drink a beer and watch a game with, but he is not a guy I would want to be next to in a foxhole. Why is that? Because is he too nice? You've seen his you've seen his manner in press conferences. He's like he seems like a fun guy to be around. I mean, I've talked to him. He answered my question with a smile on his face, but his decisions just would rub me the wrong way. And I feel like he'd either be way too passive or way too aggressive in the foxhole, and then it's game over. Huh. Interesting. I know it's a weird analogy, but you get what well, I'm trying to say. I, I could see some validity to that. I have I don't really know him as well um, as other people certainly will if people have played for him or whatnot. But I, yeah. I, I could see that decision making is certainly very important. And at times, he's shown that he hasn't made the best decision. Now, people make the wrong decisions all the time. I mean, I do it multiple times every day. But um, <laughs> it's the consistency of it and the blatant bad choices. I guess yeah. you know, like there's there's some things you you need to make the right decision. You know, like kicking a field goal, clock management against a Clemson team in the dome. This is what you're paid for, you know. And same things happen in, you know, Virginia Tech, Blacksburg. It just happened time after time after time. So there's a difference between making one wrong decision one time and repeatedly making the wrong decision over and over again. So, yeah, there's definitely some validity to that. Um, So I guess we can clap. You know, Syracuse has a top 10 coach in the ACC, but uh, that just really doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, maybe if it was the SEC, it would, but this is the ACC, and it's uh, it just means more down south. So yeah, anyways, I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy, but this top ten recognition is almost reminiscent of you know when you're when you win the consolation bracket of a high school basketball tournament. Yeah, that's sort of what this reminds me of. Yeah, it doesn't really mean much. No, uh, not at all. Honestly, I think Syracuse fans would love to just be a top ten team in the ACC. But even that is a little bit too much to ask. 
I hear uh, that. Right now, but uh, all right, we'll, we'll take a break from football. We'll get back into them. We'll get, you know, put them back in the pedestal and, you know, go at them a little bit more in just a few minutes. John Eads, Liam Griffin with you on Fizz Five. Let's take a break from the gridiron, go to the hardwood for topic number three. Number three. All right, Liam. So it's June. Only real thing going on with basketball right now is uh, the TBT is coming up, Bayheim's Army and whatnot in uh, a month or so, I believe. But uh, for Syracuse recruiting, the Orange are looking ahead to the 2023 class now after signing a really good class back in 2022. And uh, our staff writer, Ethan Frank, wrote an article recently, which you could find at orangefizz.net, kind of detailing who Syracuse is going after, which guys are taking visits, what positions Syracuse should potentially go after. One of the biggest names and most sensible names right now is Reed Ducarmi, or is it, I, be, I believe it's Ducarmi from Brewster Academy. Um, six foot four wing, weighs 165 pounds, top 100 player on 247 Sports, and he's taken a visit um, in a week, actually, June 14th to 16, a little less than a week, give or take. Um, so Syracuse kind of starting to get the ball rolling a little bit with guys coming in on visits and whatnot. I want to ask you, what are the biggest positions of need for this team in this upcoming recruiting cycle? Oh, it's center without question. Without question, because Jesse Edwards isn't going to be walking through that door at this time next year. So as SC's roster is currently built, you've got Edwards and Peter Carey, who looks healthy, but he looks healthy on Instagram photos, so you can't really put much <laughs> stock into them. Different. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, look, SU really hasn't had a decent, consistent center play since Barama Sadiba in 2019-20. Dolzhai is not a, was not a true center. And then once Edwards went down last year, I mean, Jim Beheim dissed Frank Anselm enough in press conferences and Sadiba wasn't healthy. So, obviously, and especially in an ACC like conference like Duke where – they pulled Filipowski and Lively, arguably the top two players in the entire class, both bigs. So it's it's got to be center. I mean, how can it not be center? Oh, I forgot to mention Nunez Dima too. I'm sorry about that. Right. No, you good. I feel like center for the past, like, ever since Rakeem Christmas came and went, which is a long time, oh. um, has been the position of need for Syracuse in the recruiting trail. And I guess Jesse Edwards is a good pickup but they haven't really brought in that beastly center that people knew would come in and be a stud or be an heir apparent. So I would agree with you. Um, they did do a couple of things to kind of quell those, um, I guess, insecurities by bringing in Munir Hima from Duquesne and getting a backup center, which they so desperately needed. And they grabbed Peter Carey as well. Um, also Malik Brown from this last class who's a three-star big body I think, he's think, more, I think he's more of a power forward. Yeah, some people have been throwing out the possibility of him maybe being a center. Um, so he could be a four, five, maybe kind of a flex like that. So they have options, but I think they definitely need to bring in another guy this next cycle. Um, you know, if they do that, though, are you at all worried about maybe Peter Carey transferring or maybe even Munir Hima transferring? Forget Peter Carey and Junior Hima. I'm yeah. worried about everyone transferring. If there's another bad season, bye-bye Judah Mintz, bye-bye Chris Bunch, bye-bye Justin Taylor. Yeah. Heck, they may heck, some of them may even go to the NBA next year. That I'm not I'm not putting that out of the question. So there's no guarantee that this current recruiting class will be here in 2023-24. So as much as you need to hone in on the centers, you have to go full circle. I'm with you. 
All right. Well, one guy that they're really looking at his, this is a sick name. You ready for this? Sounds Go like on. a, like a, like a pizza shop. Papa Conte. That's the name. That's a hell of a name. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's Syracuse's top priority right now at the center spot. I remember last year about this time, maybe a little bit earlier, it was Kyle Filipowski and they recruited him so hard. He came in on a visit. Things were looking good. I remember seeing his visit pictures and then he up and commits to Duke a little bit later. Um, so it's important that Syracuse gets on the ground floor with these guys right now and really starts to sell and uh, get after them. Conte's a six foot 10 center. He's from Connecticut. He played at South uh, Putnam Academy which has produced a lot of good players over the years. And I think this would be, you know, a nice pickup because they need to fill this position. They grab Munir Hima. I'm not sure if he's a long-term option or not. Um, he's certainly someone that could work for this season, but they need to find that next guy that maybe if he, even if he's not better than Peter Carey, they need to continue to stack bodies in that class. Cause I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I don't know how good Peter Carey is or is not. It's kind of hard to tell. He's a really intriguing prospect. Um, but you know, we got to just, you know, wait a little bit on him, I think, because I'm I mean, not sure. How yeah. Much I mean, Peter Carey tore up high schools out in Western Massachusetts, not too far from Barrington, Rhode Island. But I mean, like you said, he's an uncertainty. He hasn't played a full season of basketball since pre pandemic, unless I'm mistaken. So Sounds there's, right. a, there's that factor. And, and I, along with Jesse Edwards health, this in this immediate year, as well as the uncertainty around whether or not new near Hima might transfer i mean and that's the thing too the transfer portal is so unpredictable one minute you're riding high the next year at rock bottom and like i said say syracuse's entire recruiting class dips and they don't have a backup plan it can't be understated how important this recruiting cycle is to get this program back on the map too yeah i mean they just had a really good class in 2022 um, which you can certainly hang your hat on, but now you got to go do it on the court is my, yes, thing yes. And that'll make the 2023 class better. Plus if this is Bayheim's last run, um, he's going to have a year or two with this 23 class, I think, because if the 22 yeah. class is final class, quote unquote, that meaning they graduate last, which it's kind of rare that players do the full four or five year thing anymore anyway, but you never know. Um, yeah, no kidding. these players are going to be playing. So this is a really important class and Papa Conte, would be a great pickup for this team. He'd be a fantastic pickup. Yeah. I mean, he's already gotten offers from Kansas, Michigan, and the Providence Friars, three top 15 teams last year. So he can definitely well, except play. For maybe, except for Michigan. I had to throw it hey, out there. Hey, come on. Um, he could definitely play. There's a relationship there. Now Syracuse needs to work at it a little bit more and continue to sell and, and pitch why he should come and play for SU. So that's all for – an update, I guess, on Syracuse basketball recruiting at this point. We'll have more throughout the summer because players, eh, they tend to wait till the fall to commit, but you never know. Some guys commit in July, August, and whatnot. So we'll have all that coverage at orangefizz.net and at orangefizz on Twitter. Let's go back to the football field for topic number four. Not some great news, though. No. Number four. All right, John Eads, Liam Griffin, back with you. Going back to football. And, you know, it's been, uh, you know, we've been a little sarcastic. We're having a little bit of fun. Poking, a, poking the bear, if you will, which is the Syracuse football program. Uh, but the bear poked itself because two days ago, one of the key members of the 2021 recruiting class, Malik Matthew, decided to end his stint on the Hill and potentially go out of state. He's entering the transfer portal after just one year at Syracuse. And 
it's kind of a big loss because he was a really big get for Syracuse on the trail last year. Um, the Orange have really struggled to keep New York talent in New York. And to see one of the best prospects from last year's cycle from the Empire State exit stage right after one year is a little disappointing. Is it, though? I mean, three, I stars, on, three stars on ESPN, but 117th ranked off outside linebacker out of the Bronx. Yeah. He played a grand total of zero snaps last year. They don't so, – this linebacker unit I mean, so Malik Ma- There's no Malik, place for him. Yeah, exactly. And Malik Matthews seems like a fine guy. I mean, and I'm sure he's a big listener of the Fish 5 podcast, but – Let's be real. Was there any room for him in this linebackers room with Mikel Jones, Marlo Wax, and Stefan Thompson? They're going to be gone soon. Arguably, arguably the strength of SU's football team, with the exception of Sean Tucker. So, I mean, disappointing? Certainly. Shocking? Not at all. Will it impact the unit that much? I don't think so. Well, think about this. Jones is gone after this year. Wax has I, two or three years left, but he might go early if he has a breakout year next year. Um, and Stephon Thompson's an NFL linebacker just waiting to be drafted. Give him a year, maybe two. Who is in the linebacker room after that? I mean, you got Makai Mason from last year's class. Malik Matthew would have been in there. Anwar Sparrow's in there. Leon Lowry's in there. I think there's certainly a place for Malik Matthew. Not this year, because the room is absolutely stacked. But there's a thing, you got to be patient. You got to wait it out a little bit. I know kids don't want to do that in this day and age of college football. They want to hit the exits, but I don't know where Malik Matthews is going to go. I mean, he had offers from Boston College, Buffalo, Pitt, Temple, Rutgers, and Kent State. Boston College and Pitt are two top 25 teams. Yes, but why would they go after him now when they can just recruit a better player? Or they may not even need him anymore, Liam. This guy has no film. He just, he's done nothing in college. All he has to use is his current measurables and his high school film. It's a big big gamble to leave a program after one year and go to the portal because there's no guarantee anyone's going to pick you up. I think there's like, there's probably like a 15 to 20% pickup rate from the transfer portal. So many guys just get left in there. They're lost in the portal. Do you really think that a Buffalo type school wouldn't pick him up because he's not playing for an ACC school? I think Buffalo would, but why go to Buffalo when you can start at Syracuse if you just wait? You think you can start at Syracuse? Yeah, just I don't wait. think so. I, Liam, I mean, he did a film well, review on this guy last year. He's a perfect fit for the 3-3-5. He won't start this year. He wouldn't start next year. But as what would be his junior year, he would start, I think. Just due to lack of need. And then he has some talent as well. I mean, that's just not how college football works these days, John. And but it's with, Syracuse. This is an no, no, like how, I know it's I know it's Syracuse, but... If an opportunity arises for him to start this yeah. year, this year, screw next year, screw the year after that, this specific year, the 2022 season, if, if you know, and I'm just spitballing here, if Mike Elfo at Duke gave him a call and said, hey, we want you to come start, and keep in mind, they'll be playing the same competition that you would at Syracuse, or at least similar. Well, that's tampering. Why did you hop on that opportunity? That. That's tampering. That's against the rules. They don't. Yeah. They only do that in the SEC. They don't do that in the ACC. Duke's so bad, they wouldn't bother to break the rules anyway, you know? 
you you don't think you don't think Clemson would tamper? I find that very hard to believe. Clemson doesn't want Malik Matthew. I'm sorry to Malik Matthew, but Clemson doesn't want him. They wouldn't bother. They're going to tamper with I don't know, you know, an SEC school. They're not coming I'm to Syracuse. So, I'm, God, I'm sorry, I really am. I just don't see a place for Malik Matthew at least right now. Heck, yeah. if a year if a year from now if a year from now Syracuse's linebacker room looks worse than Syracuse the city in a winter storm, then you could come back to this and hang it over my head for until the day we die. I guess then. I'll talk to you then because once Jones leaves, once Wax and Thompson are gone, I think Wax will be here for the long haul. Um, Thompson and Jones are gone within the next two years, if not next year. Uh, Thompson's that good. Who the heck is stepping up and manning the second level? I don't know. It would have been Malik Matthew, but he wants to go somewhere else. Now, he can still come back to Syracuse just because you enter the transfer portal doesn't mean that you can't come back to the school. But that's, you not, ha- that's not happening, though. It happens. Uh, it's not lot. going to. I think it would. Really? It hasn't, it hasn't really happened at Syracuse. Give me a percentage chance that happens. Give me a percentage chance that happens. 55. 55 for him to come listen, back? Listen, listen. Like I said, he's done nothing in college. All right? If he doesn't get a call from a solid team, He's going to ask to come back. And I assume that Dino Babers would allow him to come back. But you said he's already gotten calls from Boston College in Pittsburgh. Oh, who... no, 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 no. He got recruited by them at a high school, is what I'm saying. Oh, oh okay, 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 okay. No, no. If he was getting okay. those calls right now, absolutely. Go to BC or Pitt. Those are way better programs right now. No, I'm saying he got offered by them at a high school. So okay. it's a little bit different. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, the scenario is That's definitely so different. I'll give you that. There we go. Okay, so Malik Matthew, former top five New York in-state recruit, three-star linebacker who I think had a whole lot of promise hitting the exits. He could come back. Um, We'll have updates on his recruitment if he announces a commitment to a new school. We'll be sure to have that for you at Orange Fizz on at Orange Fizz on Twitter. One more topic to hit, and we're going to stay on the defensive side of the ball and you know, lighten the mood up a little bit here, make things a little bit nice uh, as as we head out with topic number five. Well, maybe a little calm too. Call who? Calmer, excuse me. Oh, calmer, yes. Let's make it calm, Liam. Let's go to five. (laughs) Number five. All right, so Malik Matthew gone, but back are a lot of starters on this Syracuse football team, but also some guys that, you know, we've heard of, we know their names, but haven't necessarily taken the next step and become household names. So I want to go through and discuss the top three candidates that you have and that I have for breakout players for this defense. Now there's a lot of options. And what, what I consider a breakout player is someone okay. that cl- claims a starting role and is a significant contributor throughout the year. Um, they may have done some good things in the past, but they didn't have as good of a season last year. So these are guys that are going to either reemerge or take that next step from role player to impact player. Okay. So I will okay. give you my first player. I'm going to start with three I'm going to work my way up to one. Um, Some really tough options here, some really tough picks. Um, I think with three, ah, this is so difficult. There's so many good opportunities here. Um, I'm going to go Jason Simmons. I was thinking maybe Jihad Carter, but I'm going Jason Simmons. I was watching that film back like I was saying. Um, I really like the way this guy plays. He helps out in the run game. He's uber-athletic. He helps out in downfield coverage. He had an interception last year in the Wake Forest game. Um, I think, you know, he came from the transfer portal from Mexico State. 
He needed a little bit of time to acclimate himself. He got that year under his belt. And I think year two in Tony White's system as one of the starting safeties, he's ready to go. He's ready to step up from, you know, being in the, being in the secondary, um, you know, just being there, making plays every now and then to being the guy that will hold things down in the back end and compliment Mikael Jones. Okay, Jason Simmons Jr. I do have a defensive back on my list, but not that defensive back. For my number three, I'm going to go with – this may surprise you. I have no idea, but I'm going to go with Caleb Okachukwu. Is that how you pronounce his name? Okachukwu. Okachukwu. Yeah, sorry. See, I he's so under the radar, I didn't even know how to pronounce his name. Now, this kid, I mean um, – He got a lot of playing time last year. He did get a lot of playing time last year. Played in all 12 games, registered 21 tackles. Here's the thing that makes me think he's going to break out. Syracuse's defensive line last year, in my opinion, was one of the weakest points of the team. Mm-hmm. Heck, it may even have been the weakest point, and it may be the weakest point oh, it will be. coming into next season. Yeah. So factor in the fact that Kingsley Jonathan is gone. He, he was really the alpha male of that unit, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I see no reason why Okachuku can't break out because he feels kind of under the radar-ish. 21 tackles, three for loss, a, a sack and a half last year. Now that SU's, SU, let's be real, SU's defense wasn't the problem last year. Now that he has that year under his belt, I think he can blossom further into, especially entering his fifth year at the collegiate level. Yeah, I'm with you. Um... He's been a role player his entire career. Yeah, he, he was a pretty big recruit a couple of years ago, I guess what would be four years ago out of St. John's College. That's a really good high school football program. Um, and he's had to just wait behind guys for his entire yeah. career. Um, but he factored into the rotation last year, got a good yeah. amount of snaps, but only registered five pressures the entire season. Um, feels- I, I saw that said on Twitter, which is not a lot. Um, some guys get that in one game. Aiden Hutchinson in Michigan would get that in one quarter last year. Oh, of course you're going to bring up Aiden hey, Hutchinson come on. somehow. Come on. Come on. I had to get my licks in there. Um, so I think he has to break out by necessity because they, they <laughs> don't have anybody else. They yeah, have you don't exactly else. have much time left either. No, he. I think maybe either this year or next year is his last year. So it's now or never for Caleb Okachukwu. I have him in my top three as well, but that's not where I'm going with number two. So I guess my process of elimination, you know where I'm going with that one. Um, at two, I have Terry Lockett, another D lineman. He plays inside, over the center, over the guards. He also saw he saw a good amount of playing time last year, played a lot against Pittsburgh. In fact, I think he started that last game of the year. Where's number 90? Um, also a nice recruit for this team at an offer from Michigan coming out of high school. Uh, Massachusetts guy, true freshman last year, had a couple of sacks and really uh, took his licks. So I think he's going to come back this year stronger. He owns that position. Uh, there was this one guy named Cam Good who Syracuse was recruiting from UCF in the transfer portal, who's 315 pounds, who I think would have been a great fit here and would have started over Lockett. But funny enough, he went to Michigan instead of Syracuse. So now Lockett's here. He's starting at D tackle. He's really undersized. He's only 270, I would guess, right now because he's 265 in the spring. So he's got to continue to bulk up, but he has the experience. And again, there's no bodies in this D line group. So he's going to have to step up. Well, yeah, John, there are no bodies in the D line group, which kind of has me going another way for my top two. Spoiler alert there. But my number two is a guy who 
definitely showed flashes last season. And it was impressive because his primary position was not defensive back up until 2020. And that's a guy by the name of Justin Barron, a defensive back out of Suffield Academy in Rocky Hill, Connecticut. Look, as a freshman last year, retro freshman, albeit, had 42 tackles, third among SC defensive backs behind Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams. And that was in his first full season as a defensive back. Mm-hmm. Now that he has that year of experience under his belt, dare I say the sky's the limit because, and I know he didn't have any interceptions last year, only three passes defended. Again, first full season playing the position. So yeah. I don't really know what you can expect there. Yeah, that's a good pick. He's crazy athletic, converted that wide too. receiver. He was a three-sport athlete in high school. Yep, played safety in high school. Really good fit for this defense. Um, I'm just not sure if he's going to own his position. I mean, he plays Rover. Syracuse has a lot of great athletes on its roster. They've got Rob Hanna, Braylon Oliver, Elijah Clark. All of those guys can play Rover. So I'm not sure if Barron's even going to start for this team. That's why I don't go with him in my top three. Oh, I think, I think the Rover spot is his job to lose right now. I think so too, but there are a lot of other options there. Um, where if he's not playing well in the, in the beginning of the season, if Louisville runs all over Syracuse and, you know, he has a hand in that, I think oh. you could see a change there uh, because, you know, I think it's bound to happen. Louisville's offense always gives Syracuse problems, but that's a good pick. Um, he was solid last year. I think he can be an even bigger disruption and player for this team this season. They might need him too, Liam, because his D-line group, like we said, is thin. They're going to need <laughs> yeah. the second-level defenders to really do a good job being disciplined and helping out to stop the run. Exactly. There we go. There you go. My top pick for breakout defensive player of the year has to be Caleb Okachukwu. Mentioned it before, saw a whole lot of playing time last year, fifth year in the program, second year under Tony White. He's just been waiting, waiting, and waiting for his opportunity to be the guy, and this is it. This is his opportunity. So I think he's going to have a big season. Um, You know, he's kind of a full package defensive lineman. He can play on the end. He can play on the inside. He can stunt. He can even drop back into coverage, I think, in a little bit of zone if they really wanted to. I don't think they would. Um, But he's a three-down lineman, ample opportunities to make tackles in the run game, get to the quarterback, get some sacks. He had a safety last year in that Ohio game. So, you know, I think all the tools are there. The experience is there. The leadership is there. Caleb Okachukwu, I think, is the biggest candidate, the best candidate to break out for Syracuse on defense in 2022. All right, so my definition of breakout for number one is jumping from really good linebacker to butkus candidate linebacker, and that is Stephon Thompson. Okay. Look, started all 12 games last year, second on the team in tackles, sacks, tackles for loss, and forced fumbles. He had a pair of sacks against Albany. Cool. <laughs> I think you and I had a pair of sacks against Albany. Yeah, probably, probably, but – Here's the thing, like, like you said, now entering a second year under Tony White, you have that experience under your belt, and this guy has only played two years. There's no there's only one year as a starter. There's no ceiling to what he can accomplish. And like you said, he looks like a surefire NFL linebacker. Hey, buddy, you want to rise up the draft boards? Elevate your play even more. Be yeah. the captain of this defense. Elevate yourself to a position where you're in serious contention for the Buckus Award. Do I think he'll win it? Yeah, probably not. But is a top 10 placement out of the question? Absolutely not. 
I don't absolutely I, not. I don't think so. I think it's more likely that Jones is in there. Obviously, that's a pretty obvious statement. Um, but even if Thompson's a top 20 linebacker in the nation, wow, look out. Yeah. Um, he has him that Jones. Him and Nicole Jones. Maybe Marlo Wax even soon. Maybe Marlo Wax. Yeah. Expand his this, game linebacker bit, group, but... this linebacker group is probably the strength of the defense. I just think oh, that definitely it's the strength of the defense. Um, I think Thompson elevates to number one, whereas Jones will be number two. Wow. By wow. season's end. Not right now, by season's end. I disagree with that, but <laughs> okay. If Thompson wants to get there, he has to really um, improve his coverage. That's the one thing he's yet to add to his game is um, dropping back in the zone, playing that effectively and consistently. He's got the edge rushing. He's got the gap um, shooting ability, the, the surefire tackling in space. I think if he wants to take that next step, he's got to improve in zone coverage. Same goes for Marlo Wax. I'd say the same about Jones as well to an extent. So a whole lot of promise there. Liam thinks Stefan Thompson for breakout player of the year on defense. I'm thinking Caleb Okachukwu. Why not both of them? Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, why, not the entire, why not the entire unit? Exactly. Well, that's a good way to cap off this episode. It was a little gloomy there for a minute, but we ended it out in a good way. We hope you stuck with us all the way through. If you did, um, you get rewarded by following us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Maybe we'll follow you back. And at orangefizz.net on the internet, Liam and I will have continued coverage of Syracuse basketball, football, recruiting, lacrosse, uh, everything. Everything's there. Our colleagues will be doing the same. We post twice a week, each of us. So a whole lot of content up there. But that's all for this edition of Fizz 5. Thanks so much again for tuning in. For Liam Griffin, I'm John Eads. We'll talk to you next week. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.